I don't think I can see you either. Not that good looking, anyways. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I ha I I I do have a camera hooked up to this Skype, but no, most of the time I use the regular camera for the Twitch feed. So if you're watching this live when we push it out to YouTube, we will both be there. So we'll get your great face, my average looking face, and it will be there. <laughs> um, gotcha. So I just uh. I don't want to fiddle with the camera for the Skype. I, I use it. I unhook it and hook it in a lot because um, my daughters have to, you know, homeschool. So sometimes they need the camera upstairs. So they unhook it and they take oh, it Oh, I gotcha. So we, it's not that big of a deal. It, it'll be fine. Anyways, first and foremost, thanks. Thanks for coming on tonight um, on a Saturday no problem, night man. at 9 o'clock. Uh, I was saying <laughs> to people earlier, because I started at 8, because I didn't realize, like, normally I don't book guests on a night there's a pay-per-view, um, in, in no matter what promotion, just because I just don't. I know people like to watch it. I know sometimes I like to watch it and not be distracted or talk to, you know what I'm saying. And so when I booked this, I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to do the interview with Jared, and then Sunday night I'm going to... I'll watch AEW, Double or Nothing on Sunday on my couch, relaxing. And I forgot that that stupid promotion does their shows on Saturday. So, <laughs> anyway. No worries, man. And I could have easily rescheduled if you need me to. Oh, so. no, it's fine. But Nobody nobody wants to watch this Jungle Boy and MJF match. <laughs> Although, I do really enjoy it. And that's one of the things. I said this to Ref Ryan T. Um a referee from House of Hardcore and GCW and mm -hmm. like everywhere on fight basically. And yeah. I said to him, I, I just I think I think it's happened since I've gotten older. Um I love watching the refs now. And there's like a whole like you're one of them. There's a whole collection of refs I enjoy watching do their job. Their facial their facial expressions, uh just like how they'll yell a two or how they get in position. It's just, they're part of the match. It, it's, they're another person in that match telling that story. And, uh, so that's, that's one of the reasons I like to get the refs on, but you, you, you're a storyteller when you're in there, when you're yeah, in the absolutely. Ring. Yeah. And it's, it's great. It's great to see that people like yourself are, are recognizing that not because I believe that, referees need stardom or fandom or anything like right. that but it is an essential key when i was taught from day one you know it was an essential key to make the match happen right it's uh we and we had um geez i feel like i'm name dropping now but well, we had jimmy corderas long time wwe ref on yeah yeah, yeah. with us and man he had some great stories and the funniest one was how he got in the business of um of refereeing and he he was just he goes it was i was in the right place at the right time they said hey what about this what about the kid he was i guess he had been there setting up the ring and doing all this stuff and, and uh i think it was pat patterson is what he said uh what about the kid the kid could ref and hmm. they're like what 
really? He was like, yeah, he's here anyways. And <laughs> and that's that's how he got his start in in the ring. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Um where does your love for wrestling stem from? So I've always been a big fan of wrestling. Um growing up my mom was very apprehensive to let me watch it. So I was kind of condemned from watching wrestling, even though like my friends watched it and my uncle watched it. So when I go over to visit him, I'd get to see it. And then I got to a point where I I started sneaking it. You know, I would shut the door to my bedroom. I would turn it. My mom coming, I turn it off real quick. Um, it wasn't like she hated wrestling or anything. She was just afraid of my safety. You know, I'm a mama's little boy, and I was a premature baby, so she was always afraid of things like that. But <clears throat> Eventually, she finally gave in. We were actually, uh, my dad was Navy, and we were getting uh, shipped out to Japan. And so I was, I think I was 12 years old, 12 or 13 years old, somewhere in that range. And, like, I was super depressed. And so my mom was like, all right, you can go to these wrestling events, and you can go do all this stuff. Um, And then I just, you know, I mean, I think one of the first matches I ever saw was Ultimate Warrior. Um, And it was just, he was... He was like a real-life superhero. You know, he had yeah. the, the face paint and the bright colors and the tassels and the muscles. And I was just like, oh, that's really, really cool. Um, and it was the first thing that I experienced, aside from, like, Disney movies when I was younger, that was a captivating story that I really wanted to see what happened next versus, like, baseball and football. There re- there really wasn't a story. It was, yeah, it was entertainment, but there wasn't anything that drew me into it. Um, and then it was just something that I always liked. Um Coincidentally enough, I didn't know about New Japan Pro Wrestling, and when we moved overseas <laughs> to Japan, um, I was ambivalent to the fact that there was wrestling over there, yeah. and and they didn't have live, like, you couldn't watch Raw, you couldn't watch uh, Nitro, you couldn't watch any of that stuff live, so I would catch things weeks and weeks and weeks later, um, but when I came back is when I really, really got into the Attitude Era, graduated high school, grew up really, really fast, forgot about wrestling for a period of time. And I say that I forgot about it. I just wasn't watching it actively. Mm-hmm. Um, and then slowly started getting back into it a lot more. Um, and that was, that's been my life, you know, ever since. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a wrestling fan, but I don't, like, it doesn't control my life or anything. You know, I, I'm not watching AEW right now. Um, not because I don't want to. It's just me and my wife are doing things right now. Yeah. Um, I'll catch it later yeah. on Plex or something like that. Uh, but long story short, how I actually got personally involved was, um, back in 08, for those who did a sports massage therapist, and I was at the 08 Olympics with the women's U.S. national soccer. Oh. I was working with him in the WWE, and he knew that I was a big wrestling fan, so he's like, hey, listen, if I'm in your area, I'll pull for you to be a, um, a massage therapist for us. And so I got to work about two or three shows with them uh, as a massage therapist. And then they started going a different direction with massage therapy. And uh, a couple years later, my mentor in the massage therapy business was living in Tampa because he was working with the Women's Tennis Association down there. But I, I knew that FCW was down in that area, so I asked him if he had any connections. He didn't have any connections down there, but one of his former students up here was actually an independent pro wrestler by the name of Pete Casa. Um, 
And so I met up with Pete. He brought me into kind of this area, and everything's kind of evolved from there. Wow. Um, the U.S. women's national soccer team, huh? 08, you said? Yes, sir, in 08. Nice. That was um... – I've been working. I've been, I've been working on and off with U.S. soccer since 2005. So, oh um, man, I'm so but yeah, jealous. 08 was the big, the big deal. <laughs> we should turn this into a tire soccer stream now. I, I didn't. I was, I was never into soccer. I didn't. They didn't have it. Well, they had it for girls in my high school, um, not for okay for boys. I was never into it. I didn't get into soccer until like 12 years ago. I can remember it was 12 okay. years ago exactly because my oldest daughter is going to be 11. And so when she was born, uh, she was born in June. And so I was home from, from work in the summer. Uh, mm-hmm. And they had the World Cup on that year. And I got the men's World Cup. And it was on mm-hmm. early in the morning. And I was up anyways with the baby. And I just got into it. And then I got into the Women's World Cup the next year. And then I was playing FIFA on all the consoles, <laughs> and I just fell in love with it. And I remember, and I and I love the women's national team. I mean, they're just out of definitely this world. something special for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have three daughters, so uh, showing them the, this women's national soccer team as they're growing up at, at this age, my daughters, I couldn't be prouder. And it's just uh, that's interesting. So you went That's from awesome. soccer yeah. into massage, the, in, into wrestling, but you, so, okay. So did you have like visions to be a wrestler? Like, how does it go? <sighs> That's a, that's a good question. So like when I was younger, yeah, you want to yeah. be a wrestler, you know, totally. and, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, when the first year of Tough Enough was was announced and was released, I was like, I can do this. I had no idea what was involved in being a wrestler. You know, I thought it was like, hey, I'll just show up to New York and we'll do this thing. Uh, and then reality kicked in and it was like, yeah, you know, you're going to have to work for a living and <laughs> you're going to have to pay bills. And, and so that dream was suspended. Um, and going back to what I said earlier when I started working with uh, old school championship wrestling here in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, the, the pitch to them was, listen, I will sponsor you guys. If you allow me, rather than giving you like a financial donation, I will come into your locker room and I will treat all your guys free of charge Yep. just because that's what I really like to do. The, the friend of mine who kind of brought me in Pete, he was running an angle with another guy, and they had this idea of, well, what if we kind of have you just kind of, quote, save the day or stand in the way or whatever and just add to the story? Yeah, just a distraction. Well, so- yeah. yeah, well, not even distraction, but, like, just, just to add, enrich the story and, and kind of bring in a different element. Um, but in the state of South Carolina, you have to be licensed if you're within six feet of the ring. You have to be licensed. Oh. So they were like – you're going to have to learn the basics just so you know what to expect, if, you know, depending on what angles we do. So I started training um, with Bob Keller and John Schuyler out of Columbia, South Carolina, and just started learning kind of the, the essentials, the basics. Uh, and within several different, I would say probably three or four different uh, training sessions, uh, Bob kind of was like, well, have you ever thought about maybe doing refereeing work? And I was like, well, 
why not? You know? Yeah. Um, and then that slowly evolved into, well, you have the athleticism. Have you ever thought of potentially wrestling? And I was like, well, okay. Tenth fate, if you will. Um, so for a period of time, I was actually refereeing in the, the lower part of the state. And then I would go to upstate or out of state and wrestle there. Uh, so it was kind of like uh, living like a dichotomy. And in some several areas here locally, I would be on the same show and I would work under a hood and then referee for the rest of the show. Um, I injured my shoulder uh, a while back and it was at that time I was already kind of in my mind, like this is too much for yeah. me, you know, running, running several businesses, trying to do referee work, trying to do uh, wrestling work is just too much. So that was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. I said, you know, if I'm going to be a successful massage therapist, I got to keep my shoulder, you know, and, and, and so I, I felt at that time that I could add more value to a wrestling match and a wrestling show as a referee than I could as a wrestler. So I decided to kind of put all in right on being a referee and learn as much as I can and go from there. And it does, it shows you're definitely a uh, part of the story as we had mentioned earlier. And uh, you, I first noticed you in, in NWA, the resurgence of NWA power. Um, that's where I saw you. In, one of the interesting things I always like to ask the, a couple of the refs that we've had on, um, you probably get questions like this all the time, but and we just I was just watching the casino ladder match on AEW, and I was thinking, oh, I mm-hmm. wonder, I want to ask Jared, what's one of the most difficult matches to officiate well the more people in the ring the yeah. more difficult it is um and you know with matches like that you're just on the outside of the ring so yeah. you don't you're just there you're there you're there for safety at this point um but actual matches the more people there are like i did one on um hard times pay-per-view where it was a three tag team match. So it was rock and roll express. It was Eli Drake and James storm. And then it was the wild cards. So you've got three teams with one representative of each of them inside the ring already. Then you've got Camille on the outside and then you've got three different cameras that you have to stay out of the way of. So it's, it's narrowing you into this very small uh, section, not to mention you've got to have eyes all around your head to see what's going on. Um, so that's always challenging to do. Um, other than that, there's really, there's really no other match that I feel like is a is a challenge, so to speak, to do. Because um, I really like to test myself. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'm open for just about anything. But I could tell you one thing that I really do like to do that I've been involved with is um, several different like no holds barred, unsanctioned street fight style matches which a lot of referees don't necessarily like because there's really no rules, right? right. Like, what are you there so, for? <laughs> yes, but that's the thing is, like you said a minute ago, is you have the ability to make it more believable. Yeah. Um, because one one of my biggest pet peeves, and, and I tell a lot of people, like a lot of referees that maybe reach out to me for advice or whatever, is the worst thing that you can do is stand in the ring and watch. Yeah. Like, if something big happens in the ring and the referee is just like oh cool that happened <laughs> like there's no there's no urgency our number one job whether it's a whether it's a shoot or whether it's a work is the safety of everybody inside that ring or right. outside of that ring for that matter so 
Like you have to show the urgency. If you saw somebody take a fall off of a ladder right. in real life, you would go to check on them because you have no idea. Did they hurt their head? Did they hurt their back? You know, that type of thing. So um, that's why I like those matches is because there's so many unique things that could happen that allow you to help paint a picture and you get to a point where you can even have the authority to say, yes, it's no holds barred, but me as a human being, I'm a bleeding heart for this guy that's about to die right now. I have to call the match. And then that's usually when they can come back and be like, no, you're not stopping this. And it, it pulls out more of a story. We, we were watching before you got on, we were watching, you know, AW and, uh, Aubrey Edwards, phenomenal ref great ref Aubrey starts putting gloves on in the middle of the match and I'm thinking to myself all right somebody's bleeding somebody must be bleeding and I'm Mm -hmm. looking and there's I don't see any blood what do you think what goes through like why would the gloves be put on is it did I just pick up on something should she have had them on before the match uh oh um that's a good question um I'll be honest with you, um, in some of the lower federations yeah. that I work with, I say lower um, just because they're not popular, um, there's really no rules. Um, so you kind of have to be – I say there's no rules as far as like, hey, referees, you need to um, be sure that if this happens, X, Y, and Z. Um, I believe in, in – with all genuine uh, sincerity that every referee should be first – uh, CPR, first aid, first responder certified, no matter what, just because you need to have that knowledge. Um, but for me, like I'll, I always carry a med bag with me that's got gloves in it, bandages, things like that. And I always have gloves in my back pocket because as a massage therapist, right. like that's one of the things that we have to deal with with DHEC. You know, we know about bloodborne pathogens and, you know, some of these guys, they might not know about that. So, you know, she may have seen something um, right. and thought it would be just just a safe bet you know you can never be too safe um i I don't know because i I didn't actually see it so i couldn't even give you an insight into it but but i know personally if i see the slightest bit of maybe even you bit your lip and it's just got the little bit there or you know sometimes you'll scratch your nose or something and there's just enough there like i'm gonna go ahead and put my gloves on anyway just just to be safe you know you brought something up that it never even occurred to me until you said it out loud um, all the refs should be CPR and first aid trained. Absolutely. Certified. That makes complete sense to me. And know about bloodborne pathogens and all that stuff. Like the stuff I, I work in the school system, so I learn all. I have to take all those trainings as well. Uh, special needs school system, so I have all that bloodborne stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. OSHA, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, But when you said that, I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Like, why I would have assumed they are, but I guess not. And and it's it's one of those things that, that that's one of the prerequisites that I feel would and, and it. I don't believe it's ever going to be sanctioned that way um, because there's already people that complain about having to get uh, a sports physical hmm. like to wrestle and everything. Um, but I think it's a responsibility and it's one of those things that just adds value um, to your position in the company, your position um, in the storytelling. Uh, just because, 
because you can actually, even if you don't need those tools because there's a serious injury, if you're working an angle, you know how it should look, and yeah. therefore you can convey that. And then the people, I mean, like a, a TV show with my wife or whatever, and they're doing CP, quote, CPR, yeah. and I'm like, no, that's not how you do it. You know, like, there's people out there that are watching it going, uh, no, you're not doing it right, that type of thing. So it just creates more of uh, a genuine aspect yeah. of what's going on. Relatability. Um biggest bump you've ever taken oh man uh that's a good question i have to roll through my uh my mental rolodex here um i've had a couple of really good ones i won't i won't call them like a like the biggest bump right um i was i was working a match with uh pwx rise of the champion i can't remember which one it was but it was uh Darius Lockhart versus Shane Strickland um, a, for the ITV title. Uh, at the end, Darius won, little send-off type thing, and then Chase Owens comes in from out, out of the crowd. He had just come back, just come back from New Japan. Yeah. Um, I, I had only worked with Chase one time very, very briefly, um, so we didn't have a relationship or rapport or anything. Uh, he comes in. He does the package pile driver on uh, Darius. I try to get him out of the ring. He looks at me, um, and he just kind of gives me that nod and gives me the super kick. And when he does, as he's delivering that super kick, I just kind of jump up just enough so that when it hits my chest, it throws me into the ropes and catapults me back down to take a big old face bump. So that was probably one of the most unique ones that I did as far as how it just genuinely worked. Um, uh, the biggest one, I guess you could say, I was working with big time wrestling and there was, a uh, um, an angle it, it ended up being, uh, Shane Douglas and, and Bully Ray versus CW oh. Anderson and John Schuyler. Bully Ray. It was a quote, EC, <laughs> it was a ECW match. So there was really no rules in earlier in the show. I had cost, uh, Schuyler a match, um, Skyler's CW took out um, Shane and Bully, and so they started kind of trying to rough me up. They put me on the uh, turnbuckles. I'm terrified. Oh, my God, what's happening? Bully comes in. Shane comes in. Cleans house. They get the uh, they get Skyler's legs spread, and they're arguing with who's going to do the whole, you know, what's up thing. And then they look at me, and they're like, you do the what's up. <laughs> and I'm like, me? No, I can't do that. I'm a referee. And they're like, and the crowd's going crazy. I do the what's up face bump. And then, of course, I sell it really, really well, like, because I'm a referee. Yeah. I shouldn't be able to take that and pop right back up. Yeah. But finish the match. It was cool. It was it was very fun. Um, so I guess that would be the biggest one I've done because oh, man, it was off the top rope. That's a hell of a one to do. The what's up. Um, yeah, it was it was funny. I uh, Friend of the show here, uh, I'm putting you over, Gary Horn from the NWA podcast. Yeah, yeah, I love Gary. Yeah, and uh, I, you've talked to him before, and and I told him I go, I'm gonna have Jared on tonight, and he's like, oh, great guy, this and that, and I'm like, yeah, you know, he's, he goes, uh, make sure you just you ask him about ref fit, and I go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I had it written down, Gary. Don't tell me how to do my show, but uh, he's no, already got his own show, right? Yeah, right. I know, but uh, no, he he spoke so highly of you. He was very excited. Awesome, that you awesome. were going to be thank on. You, so, you. yeah, 
big shout out uh, to this the NWA podcast. This is the NWA. Gary's doing great stuff. Everyone knows. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about RefFit and, and all that? Cool. Uh, so there's a there's a really cool video. Um, I can send it to you. I've got it on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's it was very well produced by a buddy of mine who's a videographer. It goes through the whole like evolution of what RefFit is. It's very short. Um, but to kind of sum it up for uh, anybody who's listening or watching right now, um, it was right after my shoulder injury, and I was basically homebound for about eight days. Mm-hmm. Uh, they told me to not move, so I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. And I already, as I said, I already run my own massage therapy business, yep. and I'm very familiar with branding and hashtags and yeah. how to get those type of things working in. And at that point, I was like, what can I do right now as a referee? Because, you know, when a wrestler gets hurt, they're like, hey, go buy my T-shirts or my 8x10s or whatever. Yeah. But, like, what can what can I do? And prior to the injury, I was really big into CrossFit, competed several times. But I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that for quite a while. But I knew that I had to keep fitness at the top of my game any way that I possibly could because that's what was going to get me through it. So for those who don't know, I'm straight edge. So I don't drink. I don't smoke. Uh, I have a hard time taking Tylenol, that type of thing. So my addiction, if you will, is like fitness and working out and getting that rush from that. Um, so Refit was kind of a conceived in a notion where I didn't really think that I could do anything. Um, and it was just like, a, I'm going to start branding this and I'm going to start keep pulling it. Uh, and then once I got better and committed to that and I started helping other people wherever I could with that, the, the idea of RefFit was just a play on CrossFit, yeah. you know, and it was, it was, it's more of a, like I tell people, it's a lifestyle. You don't have to be a referee and you don't have to be into fitness to be RefFit. RefFit is all about mindset. It's all about taking care of yourself any way that you can in baby steps. Um, so it's, um. It's really just a um, a brainchild of positivity and getting through this crazy thing called life. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Whoa. Cody's favorite wrestler growing up. <laughs> I had an audio kick. Anyways, um, yeah, the ref fit from what you just explained and what I've seen on your Twitter, and I apologize that I don't have the link for your YouTube. I have your Twitter up. and whatnot. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. But um, it is it is a mindset and it's uh, a way of life, I guess. And I mean, what a better time to do ref fit than now, you know? Everybody's <laughs> looking for something. And uh, so yeah, that was great stuff. Now, before I was I was gonna let you go. I told you I I'm very very good about what I say. What I say is what I do. That's <laughs> what I teach my kids, my my real kids and my students. Uh, if I say something, I'm gonna do it. But um. Something that popped in my head when you said RefFit and CrossFit that I wanted to ask you about was you were on Broken Skull Challenge, right? Yes, sir. With, yes, sir. With Stone Cold. Uh, yes, yes. Um, I believe it's season two. I can't remember because it was so long ago. I believe it's season two. Um, it's episode 13. Uh, the name of the episode is King of the Hill. So if you're searching that it'll probably tell you what season it is. Yeah. I can't honestly remember. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a hell of a time. Yeah, what was that experience? Like, because I just, because I mean, I'm home. I'm, I work, I'm home. I've been home for since Friday the 13th. 
And uh, so I turned on Pluto TV, which is like free cable because we don't have cable here. Yep. We just have streaming stuff. I put it on yeah, Pluto. Yeah, we've got the same thing. Yeah. So I put it on Pluto and I'm scrolling through the things and I, there's, oh, I watch Beavis and Butthead. I keep scrolling. Oh, this, <laughs> oh, there's Stone Cold's thing. Let me watch that. I've never seen it before. And I watch a couple episodes. They're running up the hill, they're climbing the, the thing. Yep. So now I'm gonna have to go back and watch it and, and see if I can stumble across you. What was that? What was that like? Do you have any funny stories with with? Oh man. Um. So the whole process itself was really. Um, it was. I'm gonna. I think the best word that I could say was either fortuitous or serendipitous, whatever, whichever one you'd prefer to use. Yeah. Um. So a buddy of mine was on the first season, and we had this big watch party after a wrestling show. And my, me and my wife were there and we were like, how did you, how did you get on it? He's like, I just went online and there's an application. And I was like, oh, cool. And so my, my wife was like, you, you should do that. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I work out and everything. Like, there's no way that I can hang with those guys. Those guys are like huge and super fit and whatever. <clears throat> but to her urging, I decided to fill out the application. And honestly, I forgot about it. Like I, I completely forgot yeah. that I did it. I got home one one night from uh, work, and my rule of thumb is if somebody calls my phone, because my, my office phone number is my cell phone number, yeah. uh, if somebody calls after hours, I just send it to voicemail, particularly if I don't recognize the number, and then I'll get to it later. Well, it was a California number, which is something that doesn't happen a whole hell of a lot. <clears throat> I checked the message, and it was so-and-so from whatever production company it was. I can't remember. Hey, we just got your application. Uh, we'd like to learn more. Can you do a Skype interview? It's like, well, absolutely. <laughs> uh, set that up, told the story of, you know, basically who I was, yeah. what I wanted to do, X, Y, and Z. And they're like, hey, we really like your story. Um, can you please fill out a, a, uh, a background check? And so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, the problem with background checks is when you run your own business, it takes really, really long to get through it all. Uh, long story short there, it took longer, so they went with somebody else. Oh. So I was like, okay, I'm kind of bummed and whatever. And I was training really, really hard. And so because I was putting myself through so much rigorous training, I said, you know, for the next week or so, I'm just going to take off and relax and, and chill out. Um, about eight days later, I get a, a phone call. They're like, hey, um, the guy fell through. C can you make it? I'm like, yeah, sure. When? We'll fly you out in four days. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I hadn't really been training or any, anything like that. Um, and I get there, and um, it's a whirlwind. It, it really is. They, they fly you out. You immediately get there. You pick up some of the other guys. You go straight to the doctor's office so you can get your physical. Then you go to the hotel, and then they're like, oh, by the way, you have one more interview before we find out who's going to be on the, the episode. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Now, mind you, this is California, so this is four hours, yeah. what, four hours behind. Um, I'm exhausted. It's now, I think it was like 8 o'clock in the evening there, so it was like almost midnight yeah. here. Uh, they come in for the interview. They're like, hey, we're going to call you probably around 9.30, 10 o'clock. And it was like 9.50, I remember, because I was like, man, I'm so tired, but I don't want to miss this phone call. They called. They said, hey, can you be down in the lobby at 5 a.m.? I was like, yeah. So, of course, I have to call my wife. So I'm, I'm, I'm dead tired, but then you go to the set and you have to do all the pre-taping stuff that they have to do for, you know, all the opening video packages and, yeah. and whatnot. And you're there for 
almost four hours doing all that before you even meet Steve or do any of the competition or anything. Um, there wasn't any really like yeah. cool, super fun stories with the exception of the fact that um, Steve would pull, pull each of us aside kind of randomly and just talk as if we'd known each other for years, you know, Hey, how was your trip in? You know, that's, and it's just like surreal because you're yeah. like, Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. This is Steve Austin, you know? And what's funny about it is um, shortly after that, I was going to be doing a, um, a wrestling training camp with Dr. Tom Pritchard. And I told him that he's like, Oh man, me and Tom go way back. Can you tell him I said, hello? I'm like, yes, Steve. I will tell Tom Pritchard you said hello. Uh, so that was that was a cool uh, a little thing. And then and the last time he and I spoke, uh, he's like, "Hey man, can I give you some wrestling tips?" I'm like, "By all yes, means, please. please give me some wrestling tips." Uh, and it was great. And it, it was just it was a really fun time. He does have that vibe. Like if you if you ever met him and talked to him, like he does have that vibe. Like he's known you forever. He, I mean, that's what he, he portrays. He seems like super that. cool, super laid back. Yeah. Um, all right, Jared, I was, I, I told you, I keep you 30 minutes. We've, we've been doing about that. Uh, and I, and I like to live by that. I, I, we've have, I tell you what, if you've got, if you've got questions, I'll, I'm good. Let's go. If you got more questions, let's go. Uh, you put me on the spot. I don't have much more <laughs> questions. Fair, fair enough. Fair no, enough. You I don't want, just, here, I, I got one for you and it, and it parlays into the last segment, which I always give the mic to the, the, the guests and they can put themselves over. Um, I can't help. You, you, you keep mentioning your business, your business, your business, and I've asked you about everything else. Why don't you tell me about the business you, you're running? Okay, so um, to keep it real and transparent, yeah. I actually, if if we're not considering refereeing a business, right. if you will, but yeah. it is, but we've already established that. Um, there's three other businesses that me and my wife kind of run. The first uh, most important one is Define Therapeutic Massage. Um, which is based out of Charleston. Um, and then uh, I work with a health and wellness supplement, supplement company called AdvoCare that kind of pairs in with all the stuff that I do. Yeah. Um, and then me and my wife do travel agency work uh, with a focus to Disney. So, um, you know, we kind of got our hands in a whole bunch of different pots just to kind of stay active and, and relevant. Yeah, busy, busy. That sounds like a lot of yeah. work. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Uh, well, it, it fits in where it needs to, um, which is which is great. You know, um, one of the most generous things that I could say that's come out of this whole quarantine, pandemic, COVID virus thing is prior to all this, um, I was working five days a week and I wasn't like slam packed by any means. Yeah. But now coming back into it, they encourage us to have limited hours. So I've, I've honed it down to a three day work week and it looks like it's going to stick which gives me the opportunity to do the other things that I want to do as well. So um, after doing massage therapy for almost 16 years and running the massage therapy business that I have for nine, um, it's, it's a very welcome reprieve because it's finally giving me that opportunity to rest or have the ample time to rest properly and enjoy the fruits of my labor at home with my wife. Yeah. And a big shout out to your wife for night, tonight for uh, loaning you to me. Well, she is uh, occupied right now. She's been for the past month and a half making uh, masks for anybody who wants them. So she's been basically her. doing that all all day and all night so far. Awesome, awesome. 
Um, all right, it's this is the time of the show where, and we'll have you on again, for definitely for sure. Uh, when I come up with some, I'll talk to Gary. Gary will give me more questions. <laughs> um, but this is the part of the show where I like to give the mic, so to say, to the guest, and uh, you can put yourself over. You can plug whatever you need. Let us know whatever you want to do. If we haven't covered it at all, or you just want to nail it home one final time, the floor is yours, my friend. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, as I said before, I'm I'm very into social media, but I have a hard time because I don't have anything uniformed. But um, if you want to follow me on Facebook, uh, my fan page is Jared Fritch Referee. Um, on Twitter, it's uh, at jfritzreflife. Uh, on Instagram, it's jared.fritch. Um, and then the YouTube channel is fairly new. Uh, I believe you just search my name, Jared Fritz, and it pops up. Uh, but as I said before, the hashtag refit, you can put that in the search engine of any social yeah. media, and it's going to attach you to everything that, that I do. Um, but I want to take the moment to thank you for having me on and, and um, linking me in with, with all your uh, listeners and viewers and followers and everything. And it's been, it's been fun, man. Yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I, uh, I really, I really appreciate the referee and, and that's how I stumbled across you. So, well, thank you very much. Yeah. So. Really means a lot. It really means a lot because, uh, refereeing can be a very thankless job. Um, but it's, as you said at the very beginning, it's a key element to the story. And I think more and more people are seeing that, um, which is awesome. It's fantastic. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we'll be in touch and uh, have yourself a wonderful night. Tell the wife I said hi. Keep up the great work making the masks. Awesome. Will do, man. Thank you so much. Take care. Yeah, take care. See you. Bye. All right. I was going to keep him on. I was I was going to keep him on a little longer, but what I said at the start, you know. Uh, this guy's called the Standing Streamer. Wrestling with regret, and you're watching putting you over.